Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I'm Peter Whittle. Now, my guest this week has described himself in the past as the Jordan Peterson of rap. Zuby is a professional rapper. He's also an author, fitness coach, and host of the hugely successful Real Talk with Zuby. Welcome, Zuby. Thank you. Um, before we talk, I think we should maybe take a brief look at one of your tracks. This yeah. one is called Perseverance. Let's take a look. Still I'm not rich, but at least I ain't broke Never sell dreams, cause I'd rather sell hope People so lost in the mirrors and the smoke Think I'd be a real bloke if I said I sold dope Nope. But my fans will tell you that I'm awesome Awesome. I started selling and they bought them I told them get them and I got them So if you want dope bars, that's not a problem It's time to put the needles on the wax Rock hard like I got the Beatles in the back Go soft, make an easy living off the map Or I can go hard like a freaking cheetah on the track I'm grinding from a zero to a stack And I'm talking about the Nero getting jacked if Wakanda needs a new king, I'ma go hard to be the leader of the pack. A needle in a stack, and I'm feeling to attack. Not a baller, no T'Challa, but a hero, and I'm black. I'm an eagle to a rat, rebel demon on a track. I'm a scholar and a brawler, you don't feel it if you're whack. You're always talking evil in your rap. And I'm trying to put my meanings on the map. I gave you 12 rules for life and kept my room clean. I'm the Jordan Peterson of rap. Huge number of things you do there, mm. Zuby. Uh, sort of like modern Renaissance man, I guess, in a way. But, I mean, what, I, what I'm interested in is... Uh, how do you become, or what do you mean by the Jordan Peterson of rap exactly? That's a good question. Um, so, firstly, it's, it's funny how well that lyric sort of stuck, because um, <laughs> out, out, out of all the songs I've put out there, mm. it's really funny that that one has sort of become a lyric that people heard and come back to in interviews and when they talk to me and things like that. So, um, what I meant by that is... Firstly, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson. Shout out to Jordan Peterson if he ever happens to come across this video. So we. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big big fan of his work. You know, I think um, what he what he represents, his message in terms of personal responsibility, mm -hmm. in terms of encouraging people to maximize their potential and be the best that they can be and work on themselves first before they criticize the world. Yeah. Some of the some of his reflections on religion and Christianity specifically and the value of that for our culture and our society and just some of the understandings about that and just bringing back a level of critical thought and healthy yeah. debate and you know ability to speak freely and share ideas all that kind of stuff these are principles that i very much stand for and have stood for in a long time for a long time and have tried to put through in my own music and articulate in my lyrics and the way i live my own life and everything like that so when i said i'm the jordan peterson of rap mm -hmm. it was a uh, yeah just a slightly tongue in cheek yeah, reference yeah. to yeah. that you know I, if the actual lyric is um you're always talking evil in your rap, and I'm trying to put my meanings on the map. I gave you 12 rules for life and kept my room clean. I'm the Jordan Peterson of rap. So oh, you know, right. obviously it mentioned the books in there and everything and the whole keeping your room clean. So yes. that, that was kind of how it was put together. Um, so yeah, that's the, uh, that was the reason for that lyric. But you, you sort of started out with a different career, didn't you? I mean, before this, you were in the city, were you not? I worked well. I was actually a musician before that. Yeah. So I start. I released my first album when I was in Oxford University. Yeah. I studied computer science there. Yeah. When I was in my second year of uni, I released my first album, Commercial yeah. Underground. And then after I graduated, uh, so I graduated when I was 20, and I took one year out and I released my second album, The Unknown Celebrity, yeah. did my music full-time for one year. But before I left, I already had a job offer. 
um, to go and work for a management consulting firm in mm -hmm. London. So I took that year out, did my music full time for a year, then moved to London and worked in, I wouldn't even say I really worked in the city because I, I worked all over the UK. Yeah. But um, I did that consulting job for three years and then November 2011, I took the big plunge to go and pursue my music career yeah. full time. Um, some people thought that that was crazy and yes. other people thought it was the right thing Why to do. Why did they think it was crazy? Well, because it's going against the norm, right? Yeah. You know, anything that goes against the norm, the norm is for, especially for someone who's graduated from Oxford in yes. computer science, yeah. to want to go and pursue an, a career in music, especially as an independent musician in hip hop, yeah. and go and build that thing up by themselves. I mean, there's literally nobody else in my entire university took the path that I took. Yeah. So, you know, being it's it's a very rare thing to do let alone the people where i was working yeah. you're working with all different kinds of people and most people there realistically were not very creatively inclined nor particularly entrepreneurial minded so the idea of leaving something that's stable and lucrative and has a clear career path yes. to go and do something as unstable as not just music but music as an independent some people thought that was kind of crazy but anyone who really knows me yes. and knew me, I don't think was particularly shocked. Why would they move. not be shocked? What is it they know about you then? That mm. Why would they not be shocked? Because if I put my mind to something, I'd do it. Mm. I'm not someone who does things by half measures. If I say I'm gonna do it, I will do it. And people knew that, you know, from, like I said, from 2006, I'd been making my music and mm. people knew that that's where my heart was and I had the ability to do that. I'd been doing gigs and, Sell, I've sold several thousand albums already by yes. this point and did have a small fan base. So people who were aware of all that and sort of knew where my heart was at and where my mind was at, I don't think they were surprised by it at all. That includes my own, my own family. Yeah. People often ask, you know, how, how, how do your parents respond to what you're doing? You know, my family background is originally from Nigeria. And, yeah. you know, Nigerian parents have a, have a, oh, it's a good thing, right? But they, they're known for being, uh, you know, quite disciplinarian and also being very academic, no, right? Exactly. So yeah, yeah. there are a lot of parents who, if their son or daughter went to Oxford and then wanted to go and pursue something in the creative mm. industries, they wouldn't be particularly happy with that. But my, my family has been extremely supportive of what I do. My parents wear my merchandise all the time. They come mm. to my gigs and you know, God bless them. So yeah, I'm, I'm very blessed to be in that situation. The thing though is about your career, mm -hmm. is if you do a huge number of things, it's like, to use this word that is used a lot now, optimizing, isn't it? You're, mm. You've optimized yourself entirely, right? So you do fitness, you're an entrepreneur, you're a musician, you've written books mm. and, and the podcast. I mean, obviously a lot of people are going to be looking and thinking, I want to do that, I would like to be like that. Mm. What would you actually say to them when, they, you know, when they're around about the age of 20, 21? What would you yeah. say to people who wanted to do that? It's a, it's a good question. I would say that they need to think of if they really want to do it or if they just want the surface level results. Which would be what, fame? So yeah, so in the music world, for example, you get a lot of people saying, oh, I want to do this or I want to achieve this. And they don't really mean that. No. What they mean is they want what they can see on the surface. They want the results, they want fame, they want money, they want celebrity, they want certain things. They don't want to be, uh, spending weeks on the road, you know, yeah. go, going around and sleeping in t rubbish hotels and performing at crowds where you might have 
eight people in the crowd at some gigs and you know 20 at that one and then okay you get a good one there and people don't want to go through that most people don't want to go through that grind so a lot of times when people say that they want to do something they don't truly mean it so what I actually do is I encourage I try to put people off it right, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I actively try to put people off it and if that doesn't work then maybe they are built for it it's a question as well isn't it of discipline I mean people yep. think that you know that somehow they don't they don't fully realize quite how harsh you have to be on yourself surely yeah. Yeah, it's not just the discipline, yeah. it's, the, it's the perseverance as well. Yeah. That's why I called my album that. It's the perseverance, it's the developing a very, very thick skin, the ability to deal with criticism day in, day out, yeah. getting used to having people you've never met in your life both love you and hate you mm. or think that they do, mm. uh, dealing with negativity, dealing with pushbacks, just constant. I don't think people have any realization of just mm. how much it mm. is and it just the further you get the more successful you get the, the more it grows yes so i've been to some degree in the public eye for over a decade yeah. right but in the last year for me for example millions of new people came across mm. me mm. Um, especially online both in the uk and the us all over the world it's and huge so, isn't it? i mean you've been on joe rogan you've been on yeah. all these big shows in america yeah it's yeah. grown a lot i mean when i was in the us every single city i was in i got recognized in right. public right. and I'd never been to those places in my life. You know, I'm crossing the street in San Francisco. Hey, Zuby, yo, I love your, I love your stuff, man. You know, I got invited to the White House. I got really? invited to the Pentagon. Yeah, I went to the White House twice. I got recognized in the White House, and I'm like, man, I'm a independent rapper from the south of England. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. expecting this sort of thing. Um, but I've had a lot of training over the years, yes. so because it hasn't just been, uh, you know, an immediate yeah. thing that's happened mentally I'm able to deal with it without kind of going crazy in yes. either direction. There was one thing I have to mention, you must be fed up of hearing about this, but I'll mention it. You say, you say that obviously you've had huge recognition recently yeah. as well, but amongst all these other things that you've done, you also were briefly the female champion deadlift <laughs> weight, weight champion, weren't you? I, mean, uh, I still am. Uh, but you, I know that honestly it's old <laughs> stuff to you, but but can you just explain what you did? Because you were making a very important point, actually, yeah. weren't you? Yeah, sure. So this is uh, it's, wow, 11 months now. So the 26th of February, um, right. I posted a tweet saying, I keep hearing, so it was a video of me deadlifting 230 kilograms, uh, which is well below my maximum, by the way. I can do a lot more than that. Okay. But um, uh, the caption was, I keep hearing about how biological men have no strength advantage over biological women in 2019. Yes. So watch me destroy the British women's deadlift record without trying. Right. P.S. Okay. I identified as a woman while lifting the weight. Don't be a bigot. Okay. And this video, it, I, I tweeted it, and within 10 minutes, I, I, knew, I, I knew something was happening. Yeah, yeah. Right. I had about 20,000 views within the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, by the time I went to bed that night, it was about 350,000. I woke Good up in the morning, over half a million. So this thing went crazy. The video now has, just on Twitter alone, it has over 2.2 million views, oh. 7 million impressions. It also went viral on Facebook, on Instagram, yeah, on Reddit. Yeah, it, yeah, the yeah. thing just went nuts. And yeah, then yeah. It, Piers Morgan talked about it on Good Morning Britain. Yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan picked up on it and talked about it on his podcast. It just... It just went everywhere, yeah. Um, and yeah, the the whole thing was very uh, very strange. Yeah. But it was the catalyst that led a lot of people to discover who I am, 
and then because of all the work I've done leading up to that, yes, exactly. a yeah, lot of people yeah. stayed yeah. because they realized, okay, this isn't just a one-off interesting mm. thing here. Mm. This guy's got more mm. interesting stuff about him than this little nine-second video. So, you know, it, God works in mysterious ways. But. but these kind of, these social media moments mm. are, you know, incredibly important these days for this, for acting as a catalyst. Sure. And we've just had one recently uh, with Lawrence Fox. That wasn't exactly... Uh, a social media thing. It mm. was on on Question Time. Uh, what do you make of this whole of the of the, the situation? We had Lawrence on the show in okay. December, and it was it was great. Yeah. But I mean, it's been this huge furore for mm. something he said, which uh, frankly appears quite mundane. I mean, yeah. you know, do you not think? Or yeah, I I think my deadlift was quite mundane. I mean, if, if I go to Nigeria and I show my family in Nigeria that tweet, it doesn't even make sense. You need a certain context yeah. in society to yeah. even understand it. If I showed you that tweet in 2008, you probably would have been like, what, what do you mean? Right? No, yeah. no, you wouldn't have had the context for it to make yeah. sense. Yeah. Even this idea of someone being able to self-identify their own gender just, just that simply, that I can just say I'm a woman and I now am, that concept is very new. People are acting like they've believed this all the time, but it's a very, it's a very new concept. Um, so, yeah, we, we, live in, we live in strange times in yes. a lot of ways yeah. in, the, in the modern Western world. And as someone who's extensively traveled and lived in, lived in different places, having grown up in Saudi Arabia and you know, got family background originally from Nigeria, spent a good amount of time in the U.S., here in the U.K., and been to lots of other countries, it's, uh, some of the things that we're currently dealing with are quite unique to the time and place and yeah, the, at the place are. definitely yes you know don't absolutely. you think i mean this is what this is the point people think oh the world is going you hear people say oh the world's going mad actually yeah. you know it's not the world no. it's it's a certain part of the world it is it is yeah and there, there are multiple reasons for that mm. right lots of reasons for it a lot of them do stem from the fact that we do live in very peaceful and comfortable and abundant times and and it's weird because it seems like as societies actually become successful and progress to a certain level that actually creates a whole yeah. host of new problems right so in any place in the world where people are still dealing with really fundamental mm. core survival issues they're not having they're not having these conversations and arguing about i don't know what bathroom certain people should use or if biological men should compete in women's sports or if um white privilege exists or what Harry and Meghan are up to all the, all this stuff yeah. is a sign that actually there's not that much <laughs> perhaps that we have to be concerned about and worried about which is which is good in itself but um it does mean that all of that anxiety that people have and certain things that people that natural desire to fight for something or believe in something all of that especially when we're living in times as well where the roots of religion are also simultaneously being pulled out mm. to some degree within society not totally but within there's a lot of people tugging quite hard to make that happen and what seems to be happening is that that is getting substituted with a lot of different mm. ideas and ideologies and ways to ways to divide people and ways to set groups against each other and yeah, all of yeah. that stuff. It's also meaning that people are seem to be becoming a bit less 
forgiving, right? Mm -hmm. Some of these things they're replacing it with, they don't have this idea of salvation mm -hmm. or forgiveness or loving your enemy, which is oh, very, Lord, which is a very yeah. radical, radical Christian idea, right? Yeah, loving your yeah. enemy, very, very radical idea. So in the absence of it, plus you've just got this uh, very abundant, prosperous, comfortable society, you're having certain ideas stemming up from academia, mm -hmm. which are then infiltrating into all these different areas. And it just leads to these odd situations mm -hmm. where coming back to what you originally said, someone can be on TV and make a fairly sensible, very, very sensible and somewhat benign point mm -hmm. that I don't think people would have gotten angry about not so long ago. And suddenly that person is um, public enemy number one because mm -hmm. they've gone against the grain. And if you see the furor around it, I mean, that's why, that's why I laugh. I mean, I, this, I, I tell people all the time that um, the sort of intersectional social justice warrior, critical race theory, identity politics stuff, mm. to me, it's just a secular religion and mm. stuff like what is going on uh, recently with that Lawrence Fox situation, to me, that just shows it because mm. the people who are, you know, screaming at him and sending him death threats and attacking him in all this way off of, like I said, a very benign comment. I'm like, look, you're behaving like fundamentalist <laughs> religious extremists here in the way that you're trying to ostracize this guy and label him all these names and cast him out of society. It's it's very strange. You you know you're pretty uh, open with your views on mm. Twitter. I follow you and and but do you get people? Do you get that kind of reaction? Do you get people being violent? You know, in their language to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, violent threats are somewhat rare. I have received some. Yeah. But they're they're pretty rare. I, I get you know more slurs, insults, um, accusate false accusations. Mm. People accusing you, me of believing things that mm. I don't believe or saying things that I've never in my life said. Yeah, Oftentimes, yeah. things I totally stand against. Uh, lots of labeling, and it's um, it's a strange thing. It's a it is it is a weird thing, especially because I know who I am, and the reason I'm able to be open and honest and have these kind of conversations and I don't worry about it is because I know what I believe mm. and I know what's in my heart and I know that I don't I don't hate anybody I don't hate any groups I don't hold any views in my brain that are super extreme or crazy or anything like that I don't follow any hateful ideologies anything like that so I don't worry about saying the wrong thing yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna be me I'm going to be open, I'm going to be real. If someone disagrees with something I say or wants me to expand on it or explain it, I'm happy to, no problem. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shut anybody else down. Yeah. I think there are good ideas, I think there are bad ideas. I live my life the way I do. Um, I think other people, certainly within, within reason, right? It's not, not going and hurting other people. You know, I think everyone else should be able to. And yeah, that, that's kind of it. But yes, I do receive a lot of, a lot of vitriol. Yeah. But um, the amount of love I receive mm. is 20 times any amount of hate or negativity. So ultimately it's fine. And I know I'm inspiring people mm. and changing people's lives for the better through all the different things I'm doing. So. Well, on that point, actually, uh, with this Jordan Peterson theme going mm. on, uh, you know, his 12 rules for life. I noticed that just a few weeks ago you did um, how various points, how to be a rebel in the 2020s. We are at the beginning of the 2020s, and I was looking down these points, mm. and they do seem to basically, you know, cover pretty much everything you're about. And I just wanted to go through them. Right? Yeah, sure. How do you be a rebel? How do you be a rebel <laughs> in the coming decade? 
you start off being great shape yeah right? being great shape so how does that because i've noticed that when it comes to uh people getting advice about how they can live better lives or whatever mm. getting in shape now has become a real part of it yeah. like boxing has i've just started boxing for Good example man. um you know things like that what is it how will that make you a rebel to be aren't there a lot of people getting in good shape now okay so so i mean the the list the list as a whole is somewhat tongue-in-cheek right the, the point is that now you tell me i mean I'm, I've got <laughs> a, a lot a lot of the points are supposed to be sound like right. oh this is normal or this is right. obvious or, yes, this is of kind of what yeah, yeah. people have always believed and that's kind of the point mm. which is that we're we're living in a time where a lot of stuff that is normal or you know beliefs that are normal or things that are good are sort of being inverted mm. to be considered mm. bad or mm. to be considered shameful or things that perhaps should be shameful or that are not good for mm. an individual or for the wider society these are being held up as something that are that that is good yeah. um, so for example you've got this fat acceptance body positivity fat movement acceptance, yeah. going on okay mm. which is trying to sell people on the idea that it's just as healthy to be obese and just as beautiful to be obese as it is to be in good shape and mm. that there's totally nothing wrong with it there should be no stigma whatsoever and anyone who says anything against that mm. is supposed to be a bigot and they'll call you a fat shamer and this mm. and that mm. right so i'm not i don't advocate for fat shaming i don't advocate for going around on the street and finding people who are overweight and calling them names or anything like that mm. no that, that's mm. not nice um however the idea that obesity is good for an individual or for the wider mm -hmm. society especially in a country like the UK yeah. where you have uh, public health care and you can't totally sell people on the idea of oh well it doesn't harm anybody else because other people are financing it so you know we, we know like there's this this is obvious everybody knows that being very very obese causes a lot of problems mm -hmm. and can put people at risk you know put people at real health risk shorten their lifespan i mean mm. that's not something that you should be encouraging people to do no no just no, like no. it would be very bizarre if people were encouraging people to smoke and pushing people yeah, to smoke yeah, in fact yeah. the we've the um british government has taken some big steps over the last couple decades yes. to discourage people from smoking but then um if you remember they had the was it cancer research uk had that advert saying yeah. that obesity is the i think after smoking is the second biggest yes risk yeah. of certain types mm, of cancer mm. and there was there was an outrage mm. over this this is a fact mm. this is a fact this is an, op an opinion and this is also a fact that people should be aware of uh to know but yeah there was the pushback against that so coming back to the to the question i don't want to waffle too long um yeah so so getting in shape there's no way you can change your body for the better without also changing your mind for the better. That's why I'm such a big advocate of fitness because the two do go hand in hand. I'm not going to be slavish about keeping to these rules, but, but, but basically <laughs> the gist, right? The yeah. gist of them. We'll just say embrace, if you're a man, embrace your masculinity. If you're, if you're a woman, embrace your femininity. Mm -hmm. uh, these again seem like very kind of ordinary things. Mm -hmm. um, but to take that first point, do you think therefore that there's been an attack on masculinity. You know, we hear all this toxic masculinity talk yeah. about, well, whenever you hear the word masculinity, it's now got toxic in front of it, mm. it seems to me. 
Yeah, and I have a problem with that. Mm. I don't, I don't like that term. You know, any any term that links. So look, there are, there are toxic behaviors that people can have, mm. and there are negative things that people can do to one another, regardless of whether you're a man, woman, whatever. Um, but to tie that specifically to masculinity mm. is a problem mm. because it, it it subtly sends the message that masculinity itself has something inherently wrong with it. But that is the message, isn't it? Really? Well, it is the message from certain people. Mm, you know, mm, I don't know what people call it now, third wave or fourth wave mm. feminists. They do push this whole idea of the patriarchy and all men, whether or not we know it, we're, yeah. we're evil oppressors who are trying to put the boot down on women, which is not true. And once again, it's a harmful message to send to people, both mm. as individuals and as collectives. I, what I really fight against is I, I, I don't like any divisive, unnecessarily divisive ideas and ideologies. Mm. I don't like ideas that disempower people. Mm. I don't like things that set men against women, women against men, white against black, black against white, rich against poor, all, all of this stuff. I don't, mm. I don't like it. I, I really dislike this modern form of identity politics. I think it's bad for the individual and I think it's just bad for societal cohesion as a whole. I don't think we want to be living in a world where we're just walking around viewing people just purely through this lens of some of these characteristics, many of which are in fact immutable. And well, you, you actually say, you know, one of your how to be a rebel is yeah. to reject identity politics. Yes. And actually, which is sort of connected to that, reject victimhood. Yes. Because that's a big part of it, isn't it? It is, yeah. Because with identity politics, you always need to have Firstly, you need to split people into groups yeah. across some kind of strata. It can be done economically, it can be done racially, it can be done by religion, it can be done by, by gender, it can be done by sexuality, right? There's lots of different ways that it can be done, but ultimately, we are all, we're all human beings, right? Mm. We're all human beings. We all have far more in common than we have different mm. and you know those differences are fine and they can be interesting I think it's great that men and women are different from each other that's how our species continues to exist right mm. but oh, that's another one by the way yeah. procreate you Proc say. <laughs> okay. I might have a bit of a problem with that one but I mean basically that's what you say yeah yeah we, we need to keep the species going yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, what was, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. No. Yeah, no, we're so, on basically, but, uh, you know, don't set people against each yeah, other. Yeah, don't set people saying. against each other. And um, in terms of rejecting victimhood, it's the same thing, because the typical game is, okay, if we can divide people like this, then we can have an, uh, a group that's privileged and powerful, and we can have another group that is the victim, mm. and they're, they're oppressed, mm. right? Regardless of how true or false this may actually be. In reality you can go back in history or look in certain different countries and you can see this dynamic is is a real one mm. okay but in the most prosperous most fair most equal most tolerant societies around the world now which is the modern West people are sort of bringing these ideas back in yeah. to set people against each other and that sets off the alarm bell for me that's like wait what's the what's the motive here mm. why why are you trying to stir this pot and create this animosity and create this division this isn't the way I was raised. Mm. This isn't how most people behave in real life. So what is the benefit of these ideas? I can see the negative. I can see the downside. The only benefit I can see is for 
certain people to gain or maintain their power or votes mm. or something like that. Um, and I think people are pushing back against that. People oh, yeah, are yeah. people are rejecting it. Yeah. And I think we, we've seen that in several election cycles now in multiple different countries is that a lot of people don't like this idea. People mm. don't like being called, um, people don't like being called names or being accused of some type of bigotry, whether it's sexism or racism or uh, xenophobia or whatever it is, mm. when they in their heart know that they are none of these things. Mm. And yeah, there, there's a lot of problems that are going on there. But in the victimhood thing, that, that's a big one for me because I think a lot of people have really bought into this victimhood narrative mm. and this idea that all of their problems are external, right? Maybe they blame it on men in general, the patriarchy. Maybe they blame it on uh, white people in general. Mm. Maybe they blame it on um, this structure or that system or whatever. And if you always externalize all of your problems, firstly, it's not correct, mm. <laughs> right? Like firstly, th th this, is, this is not correct, right? People, I don't believe in collective guilt and I don't really believe in collective pride too much either. Right. As in, right. I, I think people should be Ba should, people should be proud of and guilty of things that they have done, not right, things that right. their ancestors did yeah, yeah. or things that um, another person who shares some immutable characteristics yeah. with them did. If a, if a young black man uh, commits a crime in London or in Chicago or Baltimore, like I'm not, I'm not to blame for that, mm -hmm. right? Just mm -hmm. as if a, if a white man historically did something messed up, you're not to blame for that, mm -hmm. right? And we're living in this time where people are, th like this should be obvious, yeah. you see what I mean, right? Yeah. This should be obvious, this is how the justice system is, is based, mm -hmm. but people are ascribing this type of collective guilt, mm -hmm. which is unfair to, it's unfair to everybody. Mm -hmm. It's unfair to guilt people for things that they didn't do and are not responsible for. And it's also bad for the person who is viewing themselves as some kind of victim mm. because that means you can never solve your own problems. In most people's lives, the vast majority of the problems and also the solutions lie within themselves. Mm -hmm. And so if you're always looking externally to uh, find the solution, but the problem is internal, yeah. then you're, you're, never gonna, you're never gonna fix it. And you're always gonna feel like you're at the mercy of other people mm. and you're just gonna be discontent and you're gonna be angry and you're not gonna fulfill your own potential. So that's why I try to break people out of that line of thinking. You know, you said there uh, you don't have time for collective guilt or for that matter, collective pride, as you yes. put it. Um, uh, it might seem a bit of a leap, but not really. I mean, you know, there's been this discussion this year after Brexit of anywheres and somewheres, you know, people who feel that they very much belong to a place, to somewheres, and they have a, a prior, a collective sense of, of being there mm. um, and being part of something. And, and anyways, who are basically don't feel like that, that yeah. feel that they're kind of international. Which category would you put yourself in then? Wow, I've never heard those terms before, actually. Yeah, well, they're basically, mm. um, you know, the, the somewhere was a Brexiteer, maybe, okay. or uh, somebody who felt very strongly about a uh, uh, family, location, mm. and nation, for that matter. Mm -hmm. You know, very much part. You know, I would say I'm a somewhere. Sure. Right? But anywhere is a sort of what people who call themselves citizens of the world, mm. if you like. Uh, and I think that was that's the basic. So we sort of have been put in these different kind of categories. Sure. And one was very snobby about the other. 
you know, because gotcha. the somewheres are more provincial, etc. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you haven't heard, but I mean, if you get my drift, do mm-hmm. you have, where would you put yourself? That's a good. That? That's a good question. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't want. This isn't a cop out, but I feel like I'm both. Right. And I think some of that is due to my own upbringing. Well, I can say because you've been, you know, yeah. British guy living in uh, Saudi Arabia, growing yeah. up in Saudi Arabia, growing up, yeah, uh, uh, and family background originally from yeah. Nigeria. Yeah. You know, if I, my, all my roots go back to yeah. Nigeria, so. And then I also went to an American school. Yes. And I've been to thirty-something countries, so I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm both. the The problem with the word pride is that there's actually two very different meanings of it. So when I say collective pride, what I mean is taking merit for things you yourself didn't accomplish. Mm-hmm. So when I say it in that sense, I mean sort of the inverse of guilt yes, in, in a way. Yes. Whereas there's another meaning of pride which means feeling comfortable and happy mm. in your own skin. Individual pride. Yes, individu- in, indiv- individual pride, or, or even it can be a collective pride in terms of, you know, patriotism mm. or feeling, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be, I'm proud to be British. I'm proud to be, uh, I'm proud to be a man. I'm proud mm. to be, you know, that, mm. that's one type of pride. The, that's a good pride. Yeah, yeah, mm. I think that that's fine. What I meant with the, the other type of pride is this idea of, oh, maybe, I don't know, maybe say, say my, my grandfather or even my father, me trying to take claim to my father's achievements, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Where I, it's like, well, you didn't do it. So just like if my great, great grandfather did something horrible, mm. I'm not guilty for it. But if my great, great grandfather did something excellent, I can be inspired by it, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't take pride in it as if it's my own right, right. accomplishment. Right, right. So that's, that's the interesting nuance there. Okay. I think that's just a... There should probably be two different words, but I think it's right. just a function of the English language that there's, <laughs> that there's only one word for pride, meaning two subtly but importantly different things. You, you say as well, and I think you've, you've pretty much covered this actually, but you also say that to be a rebel in the coming decade, don't use, don't put your pronouns in your bio. <laughs> I should explain your bio, you know, the bio, like the bio <laughs> on your Twitter account or whatever it is. People apparently now, you know, woke people yeah. put on their <coughs> pronouns, right? So yours would be Zibi, here's him, right? No, or, no, right. That's, that's, a, that's assuming my gender. Oh, I just, sorry, silly, what a mistake. Um, no, <laughs> but don't, don't do it, is what you're saying. <laughs> don't do it, don't play their game, in other words. Yes, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't that's, you actually phrased, worded it perfectly, don't, don't play their game. Right. I, there's a lot of people's games I don't, play yeah. and that's why I you know I get a lot of people asking me if I'm worried about getting cancelled and I tell people I, I can't be cancelled because I don't I don't play the game mm. right the only way you can be cancelled is to play that game to begin with and mm. to try to pander to certain audiences who are always going to try to outflank you in mm. wokeness right I call it a circular firing squad it doesn't matter they're going to come for you like mm. you know JK Rowling uh, mm. Stephen King right <laughs> they're going they're, they're, you'll, you'll say something it could be something that you say that's okay now but next year the rules are going to change mm. and something you said in 2020 in 2021 like ooh, ooh that, that's mm. uh, you used the wrong word there and so the best thing to do is just not play the game i don't use i don't even use certain words and terms because i consider that playing into the game there's certain phrases that i really actually vehemently dislike and refuse to use um, a big one would be uh, per- people of color. People of color. Can't stand that term. And I don't use it. Yeah, what is it about that that you don't like? A lot of things. Um, I don't like the... So all it means is non-white. 
yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and why do you need? Uh, I, I often say that the only two people who need a word that means everybody who isn't white are either extreme radical leftists or like actual ethno nationalists and mm. KKK types, mm. right? Because besides that, why do you even need that? Why do you need that identifier? Mm, mm, mm. Right? Because a lot of times people are like, oh, well, what term would you prefer? And I'm like, you don't need a term. Mm-mm. People, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just people. Ninety percent of the world's population are so-called people of color, mm-hmm. right? So why do you need a very specific term to mean that, mm-hmm. right? And even the type of people who tend to use it, it's it's being used in a rather ideological sense, right? That's not how I see the world. I don't see the world as just white people and non-white people. Like, that's a very bizarre way. I, the thing to that's look always sort of struck me about it, what's weird about it, is that it is used as, as this kind of woke, politically pl- correct yes. term. But in fact, it's actually it's just clumping together a huge number of people, isn't it? What, what are you talking about exactly? Yeah. And it's also and it's also very imprecise because if mm. you do specifically mean I don't know someone from South Asia or someone from Africa or someone from an Arab country or what, you 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 can be more specific. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. to just sort of lump it all together. It's, it's a weird thing. Yeah. And then also syntactically, it's also funny because saying a colored person or colored people is deemed offensive yes, yes. and deemed very un-PC in 2020, but it's the exact same thing. Well, quite. It would be like me saying that, don't call me a strong person, but you can call me a person of strength. Strength. <laughs> Don't say, a t- don't say a tall person, but you can say a person of height. It's, what? It's, 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 it's the same thing, yeah, but yeah. it's like people have just swallowed it and used it, but don't really think about it. And I, I've never really liked the term. And it's taken me a while to understand why. I've, why it's always given me like a weird feeling. And it feels I think exactly I'm able the same. To, I think I can articulate it now, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is what I've just attempted to do. And when I say it, a lot of people do actually be like, yeah, you make sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I think people just use it because it's kind of the word that's been given and been mainstreamed that people are sort of supposed to use now. I reckon another word that I imagine or I can't imagine you using would be appropriate, for example. Appropriate. You know, it's used all the time. This word when people don't <laughs> like using right or wrong anymore, oh, they okay. just say that's inappropriate, inappropriate. or you know, very soft terms. Oh, okay. So don't be judgmental. You mm. know, this is these these sort of terms. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll use the word appropriate if it's appropriate. All right, okay. But um, I won't use it. Yeah, in that sense, that's not a way that I would personally use it. Yeah. Well, look, David, it's lovely to speak to you. Um, you. And um, you have, do you have a, any new uh, music coming out, I mean, that we should look out for? I will do later on this year. Yeah. yeah. Last year just got taken over. Yeah. by everything except my music. Right. <laughs> so yeah. uh, my latest album, Perseverance, did come out last year so that that is out and available now as well as my previous releases but uh yeah later on in 2020 i will certainly have some new music coming out and i want to try some new directions as well and there's a a, a book as well isn't there yes you have? Um, and this is fitness specifically fitness right? yeah it's, it's a fitness book it's called strong advice zuby's guide to fitness for everybody so that's available right now on my website um team zuby team the ebook and the audiobook are available right now mm. paperbacks are currently sold out but i'll probably be doing another run later on in the year strong advice strong advice shouldn't that be advice of strength (laughs) (laughs) thank you very very much thank you Uh, that's it for uh, so what you're saying is this week please do subscribe 
um, and we shall see you next time. Thank you very much.